Welcome to Bible Platform, a half-hour radio broadcast ministry with Reverend Hansen Metal, the General Overseer of Christian Worship Center. Stay tuned and you will be blessed. Glory be to the Lamb of God and blessed day to you, my cherished listener. Let's look at the book of Isaiah 35. Isaiah chapter number 35 and I'm reading the verses 3 and 4. Isaiah 35, the verses 3 and 4. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. He will come to save you. Wherever you are today, this very moment, the challenges, the trials, the burdens, bring it to the feet of Jesus. And as I pray with you, I want you to receive this word into your spirit. The word that I just read from Isaiah 35, the verses 3 and 4. We're going to pray before we go into the word of God for today. But I want to read that scripture again. Strengthen the feeble hands. If your hands are feeble, whatever you are doing right now, you have lost interest. Nothing seems to be working for you. And so you have completely lost interest in that. I came to encourage you this morning or whatever time it is, wherever you are, you've got to do something about it. Strengthen the feeble hands and steady the knees that give way. Your knees are wobbling. Steady them. That's what the word of God says. And it says in verse 4, Say to those with fearful hearts, I've been assigned to speak into your spirit today to encourage you, to say to you, be strong, do not fear. Be strong, do not fear. So if you're already there, being fearful, God is challenging you by his word that receive his strength and come out of the fear. Remember that God has not given us the spirit of fear. So the assurance continues, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come with vengeance. That means that God is coming to deal with the situation and turn it around. That situation that is holding you and wearing you down. And he says he will come to save you. So you are the reason that he will come into that situation. I want to pray with you. And I'm trusting God that whatever the burden, whatever the yoke, the Bible says that the fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And I have no righteousness of my own, but I walk in the righteousness of Christ. And in that righteousness, as I pray for you, I know that I know that I know that a release is going to come in the spirit. You're going to receive the strength to press on and be an overcomer to the glory of God. Father of heaven loves reward. As we come to this time of study I just feel this burden to pray for those who are stressed and going through struggles, intense challenges, and have been taken into a realm of being fearful. According to your holy word, you will come to save us. I'm praying, therefore, that everyone under the sound of my voice who has any struggle to deal with, any challenge that is oppressing, suppressing them in any way, 
under the sound of my voice, in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, I command the release and freedom, and I command healing for those who are sick. I command the touch of God upon those who need peace of mind. I pray for those who need financial breakthroughs. I pray for those whose families are dysfunctional and that is breaking their hearts. Marriages that, Lord, are going through difficulties. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that according to your holy word that I just confessed from Isaiah 35, 3 and 4, you will go in there and save every situation, turn things around, bring joy and gladness into the hearts and minds and lives of your people. In Jesus Christ, awesome name I have prayed. Now, Lord, as I share your word with the world, let me decrease while you increase and let the word be a blessing to everyone who is listening. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen and amen. Today, we look at seeking God through prayer. Seeking God through prayer. So far, I've spoken about the need for us to seek God. The need for us to seek God. And I also talk about some of the ways in which we can seek God. I spoke about seeking God with all our heart. Because when the heart is not in it, the act becomes a no-no. We have to seek God through reading and studying of the Holy Bible. Because the Bible, as I said, is inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is God. And so when we read the Word of God and prayerfully ask for God's interpretation, and we get that kind of explanation that only the Holy Spirit, the inspirer of the Bible, can give we get into greater intimacy with God. Because I said, if there's someone that you don't understand his language, you cannot relate to the person properly. Today we're looking at what is prayer? What is prayer? Basically, prayer is communication with a supreme being or a deity. But when we talk about prayer in the context of our Christian faith, it is you talking to your heavenly father and listening to his voice in your spirit being. You talk to God and you lay down your request before God. You open your heart to him and you wait. Because communication is two-way. Communication cannot just be one way. Complete communication involves giving and receiving. When you speak, you get a feedback. All right? John 4, 24. The Bible tells us God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So prayer is connecting spiritually to your creator. When you pray, you are connecting to your creator. That way, you stand a better chance of hearing from him, understanding him, and knowing him. Prayer is spirit meeting spirit. So that's why it's very important that we do it with diligence. We do it with diligence. Having said that, you have to get into the mode of praying every morning. If you really, really want to see God manifest in your life and reveal himself daily to you, your morning prayer is very important. Communicating with God, first thing in the morning, very, very important and key to knowing God. In Psalm 5 verse 3, the scripture reads, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. So, Make time to communicate with God in the morning. Make the time. Make the time. Don't say, I don't have time. You have time. Make it. Create the time. Because it's very important. Your life hinges on your prayer. 
Because that's what is going to take you into the presence of God and keep you in the presence of God. Prayer. So pray in the morning, but pray also at night. Psalm 42 verse 8. Psalm 42 verse 8. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. A prayer to the God of my life. You got to soak yourself in prayer before you go to bed. I always tell people, we having gone through the day, a lot of things has been soaked by your mind. And while the conscious mind receives, it passes it on to the subconscious mind. Now, in your relaxed mode in sleep, sometimes it is the subconscious mind that releases things in your dreams. And some of these things that have been problem or challenges during the day, negative stuff, and then they begin to manifest in your dream. How do you separate these dreams that come just merely from your subconscious, from dreams that are revelation from God? Because remember, the Bible says, in the last days, your sons and your daughters shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. It doesn't mean that only old men dream, <laughs> dream dreams. You know, so it is very important that you pray before you go to bed. So that when God is revealing something to you, it will be very clear. You have clarity that this is coming from God. And so the songwriter in Psalm 42 verse 8 tells us, By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Soak yourself in prayer before you go to bed. Pray and thank God for having led you through the day. Thank God for your family. Thank God for the victories and thank God for the challenges, problems that have not been solved. Thank God that in all things you are more than a conqueror. And then soak yourself in prayer that while you sleep, no demon, no principality, no power of darkness will be able to intrude into your body, your home, your spirit. You, you, you should come under divine cover. Claim the promise of the scripture in prayer that he that dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. So you pray that God will overshadow you, your family, and all your dear ones, including your community, with his protective harm while you sleep. You begin to see a certain, a certain wave in your life you begin to experience God in a way that is very, very tangible. You may not necessarily hear God saying, um, Peace be unto you, I'm God, I'm here with a loud voice. Or No. There's still small voice in your spirit. In your spirit. Remember the Bible says in John 4, 24, He seeks those who worship, they will worship in spirit and in truth. You get it? So, it is important that you pray not only in the morning, but you pray in the evening. Committing yourself, your family, your friends, your relationships, even your plans for the following day into the hands of God. Asking for divine protection while you sleep. I cannot overstress that. Because in the dark hours, we know evil prevails. Jesus spoke a parable and he said that a man planted wheat and he made a very important point. At a time when men went to sleep, the enemy came and also sold us. So the night hours must be guarded. 
the Bible says, and when Jesus gave the bread to Judas, he went out. He left the light. And the Bible records something interesting. And it was night. So the night seasons must be watchful seasons. You can't afford to go to bed not having communed with God in prayer. If you're really, really seeking to know him, it's very important that you pray in the morning and also at night. And then the question arises, are those the only times that we are supposed to pray? No. A big no. We are to pray at any convenient time. Any time. When opportunity presents itself, you are in a place, you are not doing anything, you are alone. You can talk to your Father in heaven. Psalm 69, 13a. Psalm 69, the verse 13a. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time. Now look at the timing, how he's describing it. But as for me, my prayer is unto you, O Lord, in an acceptable time. Let me give you an example of an acceptable time. Nehemiah was told that the walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed. And the city he lost so much was lying without any protection. So what did Nehemiah do? The Bible says Nehemiah fasted and he prayed. And then subsequent to that, he was going to serve the king because they were in captivity. And he was among the servants of the king. So he was going to serve the king and he looked very sad. And while serving the king, the king said, why is your countenance sad? The scriptures record something very interesting. The scriptures record, and Nehemiah said, and I prayed quickly in my heart. Now, that was an acceptable time. That was not a formalized prayer where, okay, it is 5 a.m., this is my prayer time, or it is 6 p.m., this is my prayer time. No. In between those hours, an opportunity presented itself. There was a challenge, and that challenge must be overcome with prayer. And so what did Nehemiah do? While serving the king, he prayed within himself in an acceptable time. So we don't have to wait and say, well, this is not my prayer time. You face a challenge in your office, in the school, in your marriage, wherever it is. The, the setting is such that you cannot create any extraordinary space or wait till your normal prayer time or designated prayer time before you pray about it. You still can pray in that situation and circumstance. In that acceptable time, there is an opportunity for you to pray. For you to pray. You are listening to The Bible Platform with Reverend Hanson Metal. Don't go away. We will be right back. Tune in to the Bible platform with Reverend Hansen Metal this and every Tuesday from 5 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. on Sunny 88.7 FM and your life will never be the same again. God bless you. Welcome back. The message continues. And that takes me to the next level where... I want to encourage you, saints, that when we go to the house of God, we should go with a mindset to pray for ourselves. 
It is good for our pastors to pray for us, help us in prayer. I do that all the time because the Bible says we should encourage one another, we should bear one another's burden. So I seriously believe in praying for my spiritual children and I do encourage that they also pray for me because it's not a one-way traffic thing. Paul speaks a lot about asking for prayer, that the church should pray for him, remember him in prayer all the time. So it's very, very important. But the point I'm making here is that it is not unusual to hear Christians talk as if they only go to church or they go into the house of God. Let me put it that way. They go to the house of God for somebody to do their praying for them. So instead of being participants, we become spectators. And that way we don't grow. We don't grow. We think that the power is in one person alone. And when he prays for us, um, we are waiting. We are waiting. We are waiting for what? We are not waiting for God to manifest himself in our lives. We are waiting for things to happen. And see, when you have that mindset and, and you go to the house of God, you are not open to the knowledge of God. Because invariably what happens is that even the preaching of the word does not impact you. But when you committed to go to the house of God with the mindset that you are going there to pray, then you are positioning yourself to receive revelation of our Father through the meeting of the saints, the congregating of the saints. Jesus says something here, Matthew eleven seventeen, And he, speaking about Jesus, taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. Let me take it again. Matthew eleven seventeen, And he taught, saying, that means he taught them, and he said, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But you have made it a den of thieves. So you see, when we go to the house of God, expecting somebody to pray for us, then we are contradicting the scriptures. He said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Everybody who enters in there, to enter in there with the mindset that he's going to pray. Are we talking? I'm still on the point of seeking God through prayer. So we're looking at the different dynamics. So praying in the morning, praying at night, praying every acceptable time, and going to the house of God with a mindset to pray. So it's pray, pray, pray. Another point I want to bring your attention to is that prayer must become our lifestyle. We have to pray continually. We have to pray continually. While working, we pray. It's not about screaming your head off and disturbing people. I mean, you are communing with God. And sometimes you don't have to open your mouth. Like I said, Nehemiah prayed. He didn't open his mouth. But he connected with heaven. Because God reads their heart. And he testified that he prayed. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Ephesians 6 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. Pray in the spirit. Well, Pentecostals, we will say that praying in the spirit means praying in tongues. But I beg to differ. <laughs> I beg to differ. You can pray in tongues and uh, you, you will not be there at all. Your mind is somewhere else. But I believe that when your heart is in what you are doing, your mind is focused on God. Once a while, while the mind, you can't control it in the room here and there. But your heart... Your desire is centered on God in that atmosphere of prayer. You are in the spirit. You are disconnected from any fleshly or carnal interference. You are there. So pray 
in the spirit. And that's the only way you can pray in the spirit on all occasions. When things are happening around you and then you switch quietly inside of you and you pray and telling God, reveal yourself in this situation. For with you all things are, you are there, my dear, you are there. And First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, endorses it firmly, nailing it hard by saying, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Make prayer a lifestyle. Make prayer a lifestyle. And when you see God in prayer, I want you to note the following things. Number one, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to pray aright. Ask him to help you. To pray aright. Romans 8.26 In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Amen? So, sometimes, it may be just giving yourself to speaking in tongues, which I firmly believe in because it's biblical and God has given it to me. But don't limit yourself to that. Don't limit yourself to that. Sometimes it is about opening your heart and mind. As you sing and you are in the prayer closet, the Holy Spirit will drop prayer topics in your spirit. Whatever the expression that comes. I have wept many times in the presence of God. I, I don't know why. I mean, that, and, and I keep on praying or praising or worshiping as the Spirit leads until the burden leaves. And I know God has done what he needed to do. And so, friend, ask for the help of the Holy Spirit so that you can pray aright. Jesus taught us some things, and I want to highlight on a few. One of them is that we have to pray for those who despitefully use us. Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He also told us not to make a public show of our prayer. In Matthew 6, 5 and 6. Jesus said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. That means that when we pray, we are rewarded by God. But it shouldn't be in the stance of showmanship. So people will see that we are praying. In Matthew 6, 7, Jesus taught us to avoid vain reputations. We're just repeating the same thing over and over again and over and over again and over and over again. If it's a flow from the Holy Spirit, that's okay. But if it's an issue of just beating time, then it becomes problematic. Say what you mean when you are praying and mean what you say. And Jesus continued and said, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Another very important thing, very key thing, in Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus said, when we stand praying, we should forgive those who have offended us so that our Father in heaven will forgive us. So if you want to know God, you have no option but to operate in forgiveness. And it's not talking about those who have been nice to you. It's talking about those who have offended you that you need to forgive them. Praise God. You need to forgive them. This is very important. This is very, very important. That is the place that God is calling us unto. Because it is a place that the power of God is made so manifest. Now, if you are going to pray in accordance with the will of God, you begin with the scriptures, as I've already said. In Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, 29, Jesus said, 
you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. There is no way you can walk in truth. That's what Jesus is saying. If you do not study the scriptures. So please pray in line with the scriptures. If you pray, let me give you an example. If you pray, for instance, that somebody should die because he is an unbeliever or your enemy, you are in error and you are inviting demons into your life. I repeat, if you pray that somebody should die or, yes, something bad should happen because he is your enemy, you are in error. It doesn't matter who you are. You are in error. You cannot change the word of God. Bottom line, you repent and retract it because Listen, Psalm 116, verse 15. Those of you pray for human beings to die. Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God is happy about the death of his saints. This might not go down with you well, but it's the truth. Then you come to Ezekiel 33:11. Ezekiel 33:11 shows us that God is never happy with the death of a sinner. Why God is happy with the death of the righteous? I mean, timely death, not, not untimely death. As showed in Psalm 116, verse 15, Ezekiel 33, 11, a tells us, Say to them, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their wicked ways and live. So God is never happy about the death of a sinner. So don't pray that your enemy should die. You, 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 you may be stepping on God's toes. God wants them, because if they die, they're going to hell. And God says, no, no, that's my property. I don't want to lose it to Satan. So pray that they change. And even if they don't change, you have no business cursing them or praying that they go to hell. Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Conclusion for today. Seek God diligently by prayer. Commit yourself to constant prayer. But make sure you pray according to the will of God as revealed in the word of God. Your friend Pastor Ansi Metal saying, God bless you. I'll come your way again, God willing, with another edition of Bible Platform next week. Bye for now and shalom. Thank you for listening to Bible Platform. Tune in same time next week. God bless you. Your